TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America. It's a Wednesday night, and what we're going to do tonight is try to do our best to try to find things that are not necessarily all political, but man, there's a lot going on. You heard in the news there with Sean Michael Lyles that we have our mayor, Lyda Cruson, in the city of St. Louis, not seeking re-election. So we're going to talk about that announcement with reporter Kevin Colleen in the next segment. I think you'll enjoy that. Mark Hamrick with Bankrate.com to discuss the president-elect Biden's economic outlook. And Dr. Kimberly Behrens, author of a new book called Blind Spots, Why Students Fail in the Science That Can Save Them. We're going to do that in the next hour. I'm trying to convince my wife to allow me to brine a turkey this year. So maybe we can talk turkey talk later in the show. And I, of course, will take your calls, among many other things, with the COVID announcements and more FDA approvals. Are we going to have a kit to take home? What will that kit look like? Are you going to have to swab your own nose? I don't know what these kits look like. Face mandates, uh, Danish studies saying, yeah, uh, maybe it's not all that great. And then there's a study in St. Louis that says, yeah, maybe it is all that great. So many mixed messages with these things. But I wanted to start with the big announcement in the city of St. Louis, Mayor Lyda Krusen calling a press conference, which many people were wondering, uh, what is this about? So this past weekend, you may know this, I had a birthday. You probably saw it on Facebook. Birthdays are good. And of course, they also make you think about the future. What comes next? I am now pushing 70. So after a lot of thinking and a lot of discussion with my family, I have decided to retire in April and not file to run for re-election this coming Monday. I've spent 23 years as an elected official in the city, serving as mayor during these past four years has been far and away the biggest honor of my life. It's the people who have made it so great. The people of St. Louis and the thousands of great people who work for our city. Okay, so that was the announcement from earlier today at 3 o'clock in St. Louis that was live stream. You can find the full article at KMOX.com. And what we're going to do is let Kevin Colleen talk more about what it was like to be in the room, more interesting. What was the atmosphere? How did it feel? Were people surprised? Was 
What was the speculation like ahead of time? You just get this late announcement. Hey, uh, you should probably come to City Hall because the mayor's going to make an in-person announcement, which is kind of a big deal. And it made me wonder the future of St. Louis because for the most part, you have Mayor Lida Krusen has not really given into some of the really wacky progressive ideas that have been pushed in the city. So what happens when someone else runs for re-election in a predominantly Democrat-run city where the progressives seem to get a foothold? Look what they did in the congressional seat. If you get these really far left-leaning ideas, what happens when the mayor and the congresswoman and the circuit attorney, they're all far left? What happens? So think about what we see in some of these other cities over on the West Coast. Are we going to allow chop zones? I mean, because they're afraid to back down to the mob that comes and wants to occupy a street. Are we going to see those in St. Louis? I mean, what are we going to find? Are are we going to have a week-long protest where we're just going to allow businesses to get their windows smashed and as opposed to fighting back and starting a curfew and bringing a National Guard or anything that may be necessary? What's going to happen in St. Louis if we don't take these steps? What if there is someone that is not moderate, but again, pretty progressive in there? What happens next? I think that is a true threat that St. Louis could be on the verge of tipping over if the mayoral seat next year goes to someone that's very progressive. And that scares me. We look at the crime in the city of St. Louis right now and look how bad things have gotten when you have someone that's far left in the circuit attorney's office that goes through more social uh, ideas of justice as opposed to actual justice. And then you see the prosecution rates drop tremendously. You see targeted prosecution, more or less political prosecution. And these sort of things go on and on and on. What happens when the mayor's office starts implementing things that way, too? Yeah, I've given credit to Mayor Cruz in an office, I, especially during the COVID. I thought she's handled it pretty well, considering that we can look at the other side of things when it comes to the county and the way that Sam Page has spent his money. The one that, uh, you know, he, he appointed himself to be the uh, minister of funds and how well that's done. And I thought, well, at least St. Louis has done it financially strong and financially uh, frugal in that sense more pragmatic in the way it spends. And, you know, there's other things, too. She's, I I wish that she would be more forceful to call out some of these dangerous policies, but then again, she kind of plays it down the middle. But either way, she's not the worst. (laughs) We've seen some pretty bad things. Keep in mind, Steve Stanger is still in federal prison. We've seen some pretty terrible politicians come through the area here, and some that continue to evade fines, leave the area, have, uh, you know, refused to get... um, what licensing and we got all kinds of issues with politicians in the area, but the way we sit today, uh, I don't know what's going to happen a year from now. Let's say the election goes next year and the people of St. Louis speak, they say they want something far left. That scares me. So we're going to talk about that later in the show too. How about this big announcement? I want to get Kevin Clean's thoughts on this, which we'll get to right after the break. And then coming up a little bit later, like I mentioned, we're going to look at some of the implications of, President-elect Biden's economic outlook. So that's coming up a little bit later, too. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. From the KMOX newsroom, Kevin Colleen, how are you? Good, Ryan. Good to be on Overnight America. You decided not to stretch out the O in overnight. I saw it for a moment there. It looked like you were about to do it. But sitting at the uh, news desk... 
I see that you decided not to, which may be a smart decision. So <laughs> today was a pretty big announcement from Mayor Lida Krusen. As a reporter, I know that you were there, and I'm wondering, when all the other reporters are setting up, did you kind of catch wind of what might be happening, or was it a surprise to you when she announced that she will not be running for re-election? The rumors were rampant uh, for an hour before the news conference because of the nature of the announcement. You know, usually the mayor does everything now on Zoom. If it's a new COVID restriction, if it's uh, some other city policy, she'll just have a routine Zoom announcement. But for this one, her PR person called the newsroom and said, we are having an announcement today at three and and we think you should be here. And uh, we said, well, what's it all about? And we, he said, we're going to tell everybody at the same time. And that really touched off the rumors. And then uh, I was talking to John Hancock and Michael Kelly, who are political analysts in the room, and they said, you know, Colleen, Monday is the day for filing for the spring primary, the mayor's race and all those other races on the ticket. So it really sort of set the stage that this might be a political announcement. And let me play a cut for you. As soon as she got up to the podium, she said this. So after a lot of thinking and a lot of discussion with my family, I have decided to retire in April and not file to run for re-election this coming Monday. And uh, the mayor said, Ryan, that she came to this decision because she just turned 68. And she said, uh, as she put it, she is uh, pushing 70 and started to talk about the future with her family. You know, uh, being a mayor is a, a meat grinder of a long schedule. It's not an eight hour day. And you have these uh, horrific social upheavals. She's gone through two different seasons of street protests in the beginning of her term and then this summer. So I think it's just a human thing to want to say, I've, I've done what I've done, and I'm going to let somebody else give it a try. Yeah, and you were the only one in the room that asked her how old she was. And she, she played it off, and she laughed, and it kind of showed some personality, a nice moment there. And I liked how you asked that, and you said, the reason I'm asking it is because of the younger generation. Is that just a sign that St. Louis is ready for younger leaders? And what we see is a lot of people that bring their name into the contention to be mayor, the ones that were rumored to say they, and the ones that have said they were going to run for office. It it makes you wonder, is St. Louis going to be moving in that direction? Well, uh, the mayor won just by an eyelash uh, four years ago, winning in the primary by 800 votes over the younger progressive Tashara Jones, the city's parking meter czar, the city (laughs) treasurer. And uh, there are other young progressives in the race, Dana Kelly Franks and uh, Kara Spencer, the older woman. And then uh, I guess the older, the oldest one will be Lewis Reed, the aldermanic president who has run, run several times. But now he'll be the only man at this point in the race. Wow. So the announcement comes out and everyone in the room is trying to figure out a few things. I think one of the people asked the question if it was because of the protests that happened earlier this year, too. So we saw them go down the street. We saw people uh, upset with her outside of City Hall, things like that. It makes me wonder if that played a, a part in it, but it sounds like it may not have. Well, at least that's what the mayor is saying. And I'll tell you this, just today... I was driving down Cherokee Street, and I saw spray-painted on a window of some shop there, big letters, Resign Lida. And uh, Andy Banker of Fox 2 News said, Lida, is this why you're you're calling it quits? 
You know, they did not. I think when you run for this office, you have to understand the pain of where protests come from. And when you run for this job, you take that on. And she was also asked, remember Proposition D in the November election in the city? Kind of a little notice, but it, uh, some called it Proposition Doomsday <laughs> because it, w- it would change the rules of someone like Lida Krusen could not win by just 800 votes in a primary and then waltz into office. There would have to be a runoff election. She was asked, would she be calling it quits if Proposition D had not passed? I would have, because you know what? I'm still pushing 70. And I hate to say that. And uh, she uh, went on to say that in her later years, she looks forward to just walking, doing, going on more walks. Oh. So she's been through a lot. She has been 23 years in elected office, uh, 19 as an alderman in the Central West End, and she still keeps a sense of humor. I want to play for you one little cut. I, I had left my cell phone on the podium <laughs> to, to transmit the broadcast in studio quality sound, but I forgot to put it on airplane mode. So I got a call during this live news conference and listen to how the mayor handled this stressful situation. I'm proud of what we accomplished. <laughs> Phone call, Kevin. <laughs> Is that the boss? Your wife? Okay. Can I start that paragraph over? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so, Lida Krusen, uh she also said that, you know, she's uh, the first mayor to ever be in that office for the city of St. Louis, but with three women running uh, this time around and others on the horizon, she won't be the last. Many future mayors will be women. And the comments about pearls, hairstyles, and whether it's mayoral to carry a purse will all fade away. Lida Krusen. And I guess all that's left to do is uh, continue the battle against the pandemic uh, and to make some tough budget decisions. She told KMOX News just yesterday, Ryan, that because of the pandemic, the city is $67 million short of the tax revenue it would usually pull in from Cardinal baseball and mm-hmm. blues hockey and so. downtown con- convention. So tough time. I guess uh, I, I forgot to ask her, you know, the, the hallway in City Hall used to be lined with these wonderful oil paintings of all the mayors, but there's not a lady in the, in the lineup. And I wonder if she's going to sit for an oil painting sometime between now and April. Huh. Well, do they do that real time? They don't take a photo and paint from that? That'd be nice if they do it the old-fashioned way, like you see in the TV shows. Um, by the way, too, it's lucky your phone didn't ring right at the start of the announcement. Imagine if she was mid-sentence announcing she wasn't going to run for re-election, and then the phone rang. But she handled that really well. Both of you guys handled that pretty well. And who was calling, by the way? It was an alderman who I had called earlier in the day to ask if he knew what this big press conference was about. It was Alderman Joe Vaccaro. <laughs> so Alderman Alderman Vaccaro strikes again. <laughs> well, that is uh, Mayor Lida Cruz. And one thing she mentioned there, maybe you can help me put some back reference into it. And you played the clip where she said, no more will we ask if it's mayoral to have a purse 
or something along those lines. So was there ever a, a time where that was a controversy or that was brought up as a point of contention or is that just more or less kind of just a, a blanket statement? I don't know. I, when I heard that, I thought, ooh, I, I don't remember anyone uh, asking her that. Certainly I, I did not. Um, but she uh, she had on the pearls today as she said something about pearls. I thought, well, you've got them on today. So, But uh, nobody that I know of in the local media has, has ever uh, observed in any of their reporting what she was wearing or whether she had a purse on. So I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I was curious if it was something that came up somewhere in a talk show or a commentary or an uh, editorial or something, and that was somehow an issue. But um, good for her. And I like the way that you framed her as a moderate to, you know, moderate, not a progressive, because you wanted to differentiate some of the different platforms that are coming in from more of the ones that are running for office, which makes you wonder the future of St. Louis if you have someone that is a uh, more progressive when it comes to the circuit attorney's office and the mayoral office, and then what happens at that point when there's no checks and balances. I think a lot of people are scared when they look at some of these West Coast, East Coast cities with like all uh, all the problems all the time, and you know the rioters are allowed to do what they want and take over city blocks and things. So that's kind of scary to think that maybe it is a younger person's game. Maybe that is the future of some of these larger cities like that. So I thought it was a good question, but then again. The, uh, she also mentioned she's not moving anywhere, so she must have a lot of optimism for the future of St. Louis. Yeah, you know, I thought of uh, that progressive, moderate uh, tension that's in, in the air in city politics this summer when, remember, there was uh, quite a movement to take down the statue of Louis, uh, the King yeah. Louis statue on uh, Art Hill, and uh, Cruson's administration, at her orders, put concrete blocks around it so that nobody could drive up with a pickup truck and remove it. And you have to wonder in the future, uh, I'm not saying any particular person, but if, if somebody doesn't feel the way she feels about tradition, they, maybe those concrete blocks wouldn't have been put up. I don't know. Oh, could be anything. And it also makes you wonder, too, you know, we had some pretty terrible nights that one night where four police officers were hurt and one former police officer was killed. And immediately it was, let's bring the National Guard in. We're going to need help put curfews in place. Um, I wonder if, well, I don't know if the National Guard per se that night, but I, at least the curfews were put in place. Uh, makes you wonder what the decision would have been then if we were to just uh, continue to allow these things to linger on. And it, it does make me wonder a lot about the future of St. Louis, given that there could be a strong possibility someone more progressive gets in, considering the voting patterns in the city. It also makes you wonder the future of a merger, if that's going to continue to come up, if someone else is at helm, and then what that looks like. So there's all kinds of other questions of what may happen. We'll be in an interesting uh, race this year. And Kevin Clean, I'm so glad that you were out there covering it. And I'm glad you asked the questions you did. And thanks for coming on tonight, talking to us about the uh, whole situation. Thank you. And the moral of the story is always put your phone on airplane mode. <laughs> that is the moral to every story, isn't it? <laughs> Doesn't that fix most things in life? Uh, Kevin Colleen from the KMOX Newsroom. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Joining us now is Bankrate.com's senior economic analyst, and he's here to discuss perhaps some President-elect Biden's economic outlook, maybe some of his policies. Mark Hamrick, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Always a pleasure. Always love being on KMOX, which, as I've told you before, I listened to 50 years ago as a child. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it, how it comes full circle? It's pretty amazing. It really is. So uh, President-elect Joe Biden, there's a couple of different things that keep getting floated around. Economic policies, you have pressures and people saying, all right, you need to eliminate student loan debt or you need to sign the Green New Deal or you need to get a giant stimulus package through. You need to do this. You need to do that. There's a lot of these different economic things that the administration would consider. And some of them are tip tip off by people that he would bring into his administration that would have his ear. They would be able to influence him doing things like that. I'm kind of curious. Let's say Joe Biden gets into office and starts working some of the things he's discussed in the past. I'm wondering what you're seeing and what you think the impact of those could be. No, absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure you've discussed there that uh, the road toward uh, passage of legislation uh, of the likes that that Biden and his team would like to see passed really has to be paved with uh, basically Democratic wins in the two Georgia U.S. Senate seats uh, where the runoff will be held in early January without Uh, essentially pushing Mitch McConnell aside as head of the Senate, as the Republican leader. It's hard to imagine that much on his agenda gets passed. And indicative of that is the fact that as of uh, a week or two before the election, McConnell said the first order of business after the election was consideration of yet another stimulus package. And as I look at my calendar and try to remember what year it is here in 2020, it's November 18th. So, uh, you know, nothing has passed and and the Senate has basically packed it up, uh, taking time off for Thanksgiving now. And in the meantime, uh, you have the expectation that millions of Americans will see their extended unemployment benefits run out uh, with the uh, flipping of the calendar from December to January. But I'd like to perhaps take a different uh, tact on this question, simply because just today I attended a virtual conference that was including the head of the business roundtable, Josh Bolton, who was the White House chief of staff uh, for President Bush, as well as Arnie Sorensen, who is a business leader for that organization, who's also CEO and president of Marriott International. And they talked about things that they would like to see done either under this president or under President Biden uh, when he takes the oath of office. And they said that uh, nothing, meaning the lack of stimulus legislation, is unacceptable in their view. Uh, and, and uh, you know, so, number one, they're looking for at least the smaller package, at least, to be passed, which would be on the order of $500 billion, not necessarily the $2.2 trillion that was passed uh, in the House under the CARES Act banner. 
I'm not the CARES Act, the HEROES Act. Um, and among the things that, believe it or not, that business uh, uh, trade group calls for is passage of a $15 an hour minimum wage. So this is coming from the business lobby, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also happen to, at least in some iterations, be in favor of family leave and sick leave. The United States of America is the only major industrialized country that doesn't have a federal mandate for family leave. And this is one mm-hmm. reason why we have fewer female participants in the workforce, particularly now when we've had hundreds of thousands of women leave the workforce, uh, some of whom have to care for children. So those are just some of the, I would say, the, the, the key priorities that seem to have concentric circles between um, the Biden legislative agenda and what business is looking for. So I think that would be what you might consider the would-be low-hanging fruit, assuming they have the, the ability to get anything through. And that's a big question. The getting anything through, you're right. The interesting thing that you mentioned at the start was the pushing of another stimulus bill because the thoughts of what could happen with another stimulus bill does excite, but then it doesn't at the same time. So you look at all the debt that could be added. You look at the negotiations. Republicans want something that's kind of a skinny bill, I guess, on the lower end. The Democrats were advocating for something on the higher end. And for the most part, the markets were reacting positively to the thought that there could be a giant influx of money that could be coming here after the new year. But then they kind of forgot about that, and they started looking towards the fact there could be a vaccine here pretty soon, and you got a couple of different drug manufacturers that have 95% efficiency efficiency or effectiveness when it comes to this uh, COVID-19. And that really got investors excited. So it's it's interesting to think that looking at it on an economic standpoint, that adding our even more trillions of dollars of debt is something that everyone wants to do. That's that's a little weird, too, at the same time. Well, $500 billion isn't a trillion. And the other part is that uh, the reality is that interest rates are record low levels. That is not a condition which will persist into um, you know, the year 2050, more than likely, uh, and, and, and perhaps one might be, quote unquote, fortunate in one's respect if, if it were to persist into 2023 or 2024. But predicting interest rates in, in the sense of what the market determines is, I would say, often a fool's errand, at least over the intermediate term. The other part is that on some of these things, you're either going to have to pay for it now or you're going to have to pay for it later. And so, for example, on the idea of infrastructure, um, you can uh, basically uh, do 50 or 100 year bonds where that is essentially done off the books of the federal government um, in, in the near term and, and ultimately in the long term. Uh, and, and those are ideas that are very much being bandied about. And, and also to the extent that basically maybe the government would have indebtedness only on one tenth of, of the total. So that if you did um, let's say, uh, you know, uh, a trillion, then you divide that by 10 and, and uh, you know, where that goes. So um, the other part is, and I don't, ha- I don't think I need to tell people who are listening very far away from St. Louis that there is a divide uh, digitally in our country where uh, people who are in otherwise robust, medium size and small communities don't have the same kind of broadband access Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a school of thought, uh, better left others to determine the validity of this, uh, that we, we should push adoption of broadband in those communities for, among other reasons, uh, to help those communities uh, basically thrive more, uh, to, to better participate in the digital economy. 
I think a, a rhetorical question or a legitimate question is, can that happen through the private market anyway, when you have Elon Musk basically putting sa- satellites into orbit all over mm-hmm. the place uh, to deliver broadband that way? So, you know, one never knows really whether the private market or, or essentially a government-led solution um, could in some iterations be the better option, but these are some of the things that are being discussed. And and uh, Lord knows, you know, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, which benefits, you know, uh, from federal largesse more than anywhere else, at least broadly speaking. But the roads around here are not in great shape, and, and I need only to go back to my native Kansas to see how some of the hometown streets in my hometown are beat up. So, um these are sort of the standards with which a, a first world country might be judged and and uh, not to mention the fact that you could certainly put some people back to work. Yeah, the infrastructure was something that was a priority, but I feel like a lot of these things should get pushed back. And so here, here's what we see. We, we see the pushes of Medicare for all and the thought of Biden care, whatever that may look like. You mentioned the rural areas for Internet. It was Starlink going up. I've seen some reviews on that lately, the Elon Musk version of the Internet, and he has been putting satellites into the sky like they're a dime a dozen, you know, he's just been shooting it up there. But I was looking at the reviews. They're pretty fast internet. I think it was 70 to 80 download and about 20 upload. So that's very comparable to high-speed internet anywhere else. It's about 100 bucks right. a month, So, but it's more expensive than what you'd be able to get. Um, it's more expensive than what you'd be able to get, let's say, in a city that might have be more competitive. But if you're in a rural area with zero options, 100 bucks a month for fast internet is like a the best deal of your life. Um I'm also wondering, too, about what's going to happen with taxes. You, you shift the taxes around. Let's say you change the corporate rates around, the individual rates. You, you, you change some of these things that Donald Trump put into place. You're going to have other economic problems where people may be paying more taxes. What does that mean for businesses? And then let's say there's another lockdown, a national one. What does that mean for local businesses, too? So there's all of these other things. There, there might be some offsets and ideas that I think excite some people. And then there's probably more things that scare people that are on the horizon. Well, let's let's you know, which was, I think you know, you and I always try to do. Let's level set with what we absolutely know to be true. Okay, what we absolutely know to be true is the uh, 2017 tax cut or the or that tax act uh, is set to expire in 2023. Okay, so uh, that is number one. Uh, that means that those taxes would reset to what they were before. Uh, and by the way. <laughs> If, you know, in 2020, we've learned that time both moves very fast and very slowly at the same time. So mm-hmm. 2023 will be here before we know it. Um, the other part is that, you know, I, I know that uh, both the president, the current president and, and uh, plenty of other folks do try to cast Biden as a progressive. But but it, that's not really accurate. And, and I think that's the reason among reasons among the reasons why he won the nomination where um, where Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders did not, uh, because clearly a lot of the things that they were advocating scared the heck out of a lot of people, including the defund the police, quote unquote, uh, movement. Um, but uh, so what we know is that Biden has basically said if he were able to push tax legislation through on individuals, although there are some uh, broader uh, concepts that would come in play from what I understand it, essentially the taxes would go up on those who are making $400,000 a year or more. Um, so, you know, but the other part is, is that, you know, this does get back to the other part about paying me now or pay me later. In other words, 
That's what the idea of a proposal is. The reality is, is down the line, uh, either either some spending is going to have to be cut, some entitlement promises are going to have to be cut, or taxes are going to have to be raised, including on Social Security taxes uh, on down the road, or or else people are not going to get the benefits that they're expecting. So those are some of the realities of of the economic landscape that uh, most politicians don't really want to talk about uh, because it's easier to exist in a universe where where facts aren't necessarily part of the equation. So you are Bankrate.com's senior economic analyst. And if people wanted to look at your work and your work at Bankrate.com, I'm guessing that's the best way to do it. Just go to the website. Yeah, and I'm uh, you know on Twitter. I do work on LinkedIn uh, at Hamrickisms is the, is the Twitter handle, and uh, uh, and there is you know any variety of search engines which would apply. Uh, but yeah, Bankrate is our uh, is our bread and butter, and uh, for folks that are just trying to accomplish whatever their financial goals might be, uh, you know we're a free site, and we've been providing a trusted. Uh, information for decades and decades, uh, including before the internet, uh, just so happened the internet was a convenient, uh, distribution <laughs> mechanism. Bankrate.com, the mothership. So you can find it all from there in Mark Hamrick joins <laughs> us a senior economic analyst. Thank you for coming on to overnight America. I appreciate it. Always my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take good care. We will. And joining us on the quiver river electric guest line, this is overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. So we got all the computer stuff worked out. That's good news. How about this good news? Charlie Brown Christmas and Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. All of those fine, fine shows that you loved over the years will actually be airing on television. Gets me all excited. Gets me in the new uh, news. Uh, gets me in the mood for this. So Peanut fans were upset for a while there because the news came out that it would be exclusively on Apple TV. Now PBS and PBS Kids will be airing these things. So the Thanksgiving Charlie Brown special will air on the 22nd, so a few days away, on that Sunday, this Sunday, 6.30 Central Time. And then the same thing, Charlie Brown Christmas will air on December 13th. That's just a few weeks after that, December 13th also being a Sunday, at 6.30 Central Time on PBS and PBS Kids. Aww, it makes me feel so good that these will be out there. It doesn't feel right. There's a few uh, different times of the year where it just doesn't seem right until you've actually watched it. The movie where you'll shoot your eye out, kid, doesn't feel right until you watch that at least one time. Yeah, Christmas Story or Elf pops on TV. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel the summer doesn't feel yeah die hard around this time of year. It doesn't feel right. Uh, it, you know, it's like at the end of the year, it, when you were in school, you remember at the very end of the year, you'd have like an activities day or something. And they would wheel out the little ice cream cups that you would eat with a wooden spoon. I think pretty much every kid that went to school experienced that at some point. It didn't feel like the end of the year until you did that and cleaned out your desk or your locker or whatever it was. Then high school comes around and they don't give you the ice cream cups anymore. And then the only thing you have to look forward to is your parents forcing you to get a job. Now, for me, I wanted a job, so that was good news. And I, When we look at the traditions, the ones that you must have, this is it. For me, another tradition around Thanksgiving is to watch the Detroit Lions lose football. 
Oh, is that so terrible? Every single year, I am just tasked with watching the Detroit Lions stink it up on the field. Uh, I know next week it'll be a whole different thing. You know, by the way, I'm off next week. We have a great list of hosts that'll be coming in. Hancock and Kelly will be filling in some days. I know Brad Young will be filling in some days. I'll have to look at the schedule, but after tomorrow, I got the week off for Thanksgiving. I'm really looking forward to that. So we have another hour of Overnight America coming up, and Dr. Kimberly Behrens is going to join us after the break. I wonder if she is a Charlie Brown fan. A new book called Blind Spots, Why Students Fail in the Science That Can Save Them. What kind of things are we setting our kids up for anymore when we've been putting them in school, then kicking them out of school, then going virtual, and then not going virtual. It seems like there's a lot of things that could get slipped between the cracks because even good students could reject what's going on in today's school system. So you tell us uh, the blind spots. Dr. Le- uh, Dr. Barron's is joining us right after the break, and we'll take some more of your calls on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.